Hello and welcome to this, our latest Hot Fender Fireside video cast with John Michelson from Krista. He's CEO and co-founder. I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about himself before I go on to tell you why we think these guys make a great Hot Fender. John. Thanks, David. Um, and before I get started, uh, fantastic relationship with HFS and uh, really appreciate and respect the work that you guys have been doing for years in our space. You certainly helped inform our point of view about, uh, about what we've done with Krista and Krista Software. So yes, uh, CEO of Krista Software, but better named uh, Chief Geek. I am very much a, a startup guy. I've done a number of startups in a number of areas. Uh, you know, we, we have this uh, common behavior in humanity. I think Einstein is, a, is attributed the quote, if we keep doing the same thing over and over again and think if we're going to get a different result. Uh, you know, we do that in a number of areas and where I can offer an alternative approach that has a, uh, that discontinuous outcome, uh, I, I jump in and, and do, do what I can to, to invent and, and create and bring something to market. And it's, uh, it's been, uh, I've had an exciting ride, uh, 28 patents. I've started four companies and I've been a part of six uh, startups. So anyway, just a, a, a fantastic ride of doing this. This is by far my most ambitious project, frankly, um, because the transforming how we build enterprise apps and automation, um, I think is, is, is a huge, huge shift toward that autonomous organization and where we're trying to go as a, even as a people. So I know we'll get into all of that, David, uh, but uh, that's, uh, I am not relevant, but our product and what we are trying to do is much more. So I'd, I'll gladly talk more about that. Fantastic, thanks. So um, let me first explain why we um, chose uh, Krista as an HFS one of its hot vendor. And it was really for the reasons that it's offering a, a very different voice in a very noisy automation market. And voice is perhaps quite an interesting use of the term here, not just following the RPA or conventional AI gravy trains. Instead, it's putting forward an innovative approach to machine learning that allows clients to use their data models, helps integrate them into production. Um, it has an intuitive, natural language use and low-code applications are, are, are applied to to reduce the need for coding or any kind of specialist knowledge. But the ambition of all this is to make automation a conversation between people and systems. So that's a very big ambition, John. What are we talking about here? What's the difference between how CRISPR operates, how it's accessed by its users versus any other run-of-the-mill automation provider? Yeah, so David, it is an ambitious goal to make automation a conversation. But in fact, that really speaks to the mission statement of the company. We realized that we're in a world where everyone's building technology that they can try to get people to understand. What we really need is technology that understands people. That's our mission statement, to make technology that understands people. Now, when that becomes your mission statement, it inverts a whole lot of how you think. All of a sudden, the psychology of human change and adaptation to change and where the burden should be in accomplishing activities and outcomes, all of a sudden that shifts. Instead of it being every time IT has something new to deliver, a new screen pops up on a desktop and yet more complexity for people. Instead, we have to think very differently about things like that. We have to realize 
we're overwhelming people with complexity, and yet the rate of technology change continues to increase. That's unsustainable. We will not accomplish our objectives as technologists if we have a direct correlation between user impact and technology change. So we've got to find ways to make technology that understands people. And to do that, we, we, we found ways to make essentially humans easily adapt to constant change. And we do that with conversation. So David, you and I have not scripted this. There are, there, we're not reading from scripts. We don't pre-know and have pre-wired everything that's about to happen in our, in our podcast here. And yet you and I are entirely comfortable with the notion of having a fluid conversation. That's what we've got to make technology like. So no, just, just put it right out there, no ownership um, uh, ego. We're all talking about Star Trek, right? It's, it's, the, it's the very idea. It's, it's humans, computers, and androids talking to humans and computers and androids and they're not having to switch context. They're not thinking, oh, what jargon do I use with that? Or, oh, how do I, how do I make what I'm trying to do and map that onto what that device or that screen is trying to, that whole notion of abstraction. You know, in our, in our study, we, we read uh, that 50% of the world's population do not understand the concept of abstraction or encapsulation. They, they're, they're very practical thinkers, right? And, um, and, you know, think about it. In our world, uh, we do this all the time. We, we build things that are abstractions of real things, and then we make people try to map their thinking onto it. We're not going to get there with half the people in the world if that's how we're doing it. So we needed to make the technology take on the burden. That's the second half. We have to basically embrace the psychology of human change, and we had to realize that humans evolve over eons. Technology is evolving every minute. Make the tech do the hard heavy lifting of figuring out how to work with people instead of making people have to do the heavy lifting. Because frankly, that's why the digital transformation projects are failing. They're all blaming people and yet people are the constant. So how, how is that even, that's a destined to failure uh, in, initiative if you ask me. If we're making the technology have to adapt to how people need to work, now we're talking and that can get us to success. It's a, it's a really interesting take, John. I think. Um... I heard a lovely line once about technology. It's we we don't call a chair technology, right? Because it just works, and we we know how it works. Yeah. So, uh, and as we're entering this world of um, well, the, the whole the great resignation, the impact mm -hmm. of uh, mm -hmm. short numbers of uh, the right skilled people. The problem statement there is we haven't got people with the right skills, rather than we haven't got technology that fits people. So you're turning that on its head. That's quite that, a powerful thing. Man, David, your chair analogy, if you don't mind, that is such a brilliant way to describe it because we've actually had a customer and this is where I learned a lot in one moment, all in one moment, I learned so much. The, uh, uh, one of our incubation customers said, John, my sales reps used to be dealing with eight different solutions. They don't know any of this stuff. It's all complex. It's called different things in different screens. They, they, they never used it. I could threaten their jobs and, and the people I would replace them with wouldn't use it either. So I'm stuck. Now that they use Krista, I have zero training. When, pe when new people join the organization, I say, and this is, where, this is where you triggered me, David, you don't learn Krista, you just use it. And that's a chair. You don't learn how to sit in a chair, you just use it, right? You just use the chair. But that's, but that's exactly where this has to go. And that's that whole notion of how can we make 
technology no different than anything else that we interact with. And conversation is in fact how we would do that. So again, really interesting in, in that if I think about how um, the great successes of Silicon Valley have become great successes, it, it's not through necessarily the exposure of their technology to you. It's through hiding all of that technology and actually mm -hmm. making it uh, a natural interface, right? So I recall when I started using the web, I was blogging and I was using quite clunky technology that mm -hmm. needed a bit of perseverance and a little bit of understanding at least of a little bit of code here and there to get you through. Um, and then along came the likes of Facebook, which meant that everybody could play. And it, it made it easy for everybody to right. use the internet, right? Right, right. Um, and I, I've seen this many times, a lot of low code in particular, uh, um, and, and some process uh, automation products who delight in showing me their, um, their diagrams that they can drag mm -hmm. and drop things. And right, right. still you're creating yes. a problem that people have to try to understand. Right. But do you think there's been a, a real lag in it's almost like just straightforward user interaction design has not reached the business world why is that I, I i i believe there's two facets to that the first is the whole notion of uh consumerization of it um was the was the moniker we used many years back to start trying to have that forcing function on it to actually have a facebook style experience for its internal employees right that's just been completely rejected. There, I mean, that whole notion. I mean, you have do you even hear that phrase anymore? No. And 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 here here we go with digital transformation projects blaming people that they can't make it work. Facebook can't blame people. Can't Facebook can't go to a quarterly meeting and say, you know, we had this huge initiative, the people in the world couldn't figure out how to use it, so it's their fault. It's just not going to work, right? But it does work for IT. So they they can resist, and they have essentially. Regard it's 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 not because there aren't great people in IT, but there's a monopoly there, and there's even a, a thick skin to being the to being at fault and to, for change. When I was a right out of school, I started my first company. I I ended up uh, building boutique software for companies, and I ended up doing work in a call center. I built a lot of complex stuff, uh, um, but but it it met the it was fit for purpose, and the the business drivers were all met. I went to my user community, they rejected, they were resistant, they were complaining about it. I went back to the people who sponsored my project, I know a third party developer for them and said, hey, there's all this negative feedback. And they said, don't worry about it. That's either stupid or lazy. Don't worry about it. They have to do it. They'll have to learn it. That what you built is what we wanted. You, you're just dealing with either stupid or lazy. And you know what? We say that to this day. There's your digital transformation effort again. I, I, and, and that's the problem. So those are the two facets, the lack of essentially competitive nature. And it's not the business will, will fail if we don't solve for this. And on the other hand, by the way, that, that will change, I believe, in time. And then on the other hand, um, we've, built a, we've built a mechanism to ignore the feedback of shouldn't you find a better way? And I, and I, and I, I just, at, at one point, I realized, wait a minute, I'm literally calling my customer stupid or lazy or both and um it just doesn't work right we've got to find a better way so john 
what's your better way? I mean, there, there's a there's a grand mission statement there. There's an ambition that I think a lot of people would applaud uh, and would love to see happen. How are you making that actually happen? So, so let's do this people process technology, just like every, just like, and, and again, a great piece of work that you guys did years ago, actually, again, as I was forming the concept around Krista, you guys made the statement absolutely as, uh, uh, accurate that in the people process technology, the way we've actually de delivered on that, people are not the focus as equally as technology and technology is dominating the conversation is the phrase that you guys you guys made at HFS. Absolutely correct. In fact, the, our version of that was in, in the, especially in the automation world, process and technology are indistinguishable. They're the same thing. And when I ask some, and when someone says, I don't get it, what do you mean? I say, okay, show me your process. And in order to do that, you're about to show me VB script. You're about to show me JavaScript. You're about to, there's your indistinguishable. Your process is code. It is technology. You've failed at having discrete, how do I handle people? How do I deal with process? And how do I empower those things with technology? You've commingled the two and you've ignored the people. You've essentially said whatever the technology can do at the most expedient way possible, people will have to deal with. That's been the, that's, that's, that's the motion. That is entirely different in Krista. People have a conversational interface. So we look to some like conversational AI and in many ways we are, but we are a conversational interface, which means you can go from HR to sales ops, to cybersecurity, to you name it all. You know, have you ever thought I need training to go from one WhatsApp group to another? Have you ever thought it's a context switch when one person sends you a message then another person sends? If you understand the domain of the conversation you're in, not the software behind it, but the domain, like we know HR terms, we know what leave is or, or vacation or holiday or, or et cetera. We know what those words mean when we hear them, but when we, but we have to go to HR software training, right? We have to go to CRM training. We don't have to go to sales training. Here was a really good example, if you don't mind a digression. A true story, again, early in our formation, I'm, I'm vetting my product concept with people that I've delivered software to in the past. And this guy is just starting a new group within a, a department of the DOD, Department of Defense in the US. And he says, Oh, if I, am I totally with you? So I'm, I've just instantiated this group. I've got a job requisition that is a half a page long. Now we do a Salesforce deal, a ServiceNow deal, uh, uh, purchase a few other so pieces of software, and we start a few software projects. My half a page winds up six pages and no one on the, no one on the planet can do the job. Now, what am I to do, right? That is it in a nutshell. So, so people get a conversational interface. Krista could be interacting with every one of the pieces of software I named and dozens that are not named. No one in the, none of your people would even know. You could switch from one CRM to another. Your folks wouldn't even know. All they're doing is having conversations among their colleagues and with Krista. That is how you stabilize the people side of this and you reduce the complexity. The process piece, the analogy that we use is, it has to be content, not code. That, that indistinguishable process and tech, that's the problem. So you have to be able to design your processes as if they were a conversation among your people and systems and AI. 
you've got to literally describe you have an outcome where we receive we receive an invoice from a supplier. We ask Krista if there are any no anomalous values in that in, in any of those quantities. If there are anomalous qualities quantities, we ask an AP person to either approve for payment anyway or decline the thing. If if it's approved, we tell the AP system here's an invoice you need to queue for payment. We also tell the supplier your invoice has been approved for payment. If not, of course, we, you know, the conversation can take different paths, right? We just described a business outcome, David, as a conversation. That is how you get non-development people to essentially do development. And here's, here's that phrase, citizen developer, which a bit, which really rubs me very, I'm very challenged with that phrase, David, because what most people really mean is they're going to take citizens and turn them into developers by the time they're effective they're writing javascript they know html and css they've got to know agile software processes all that now the technology piece let's get that let's cover that too what we did in order to make content your process not code is we have to separate the technology piece what we don't do is say oh you want to talk to a crm here are the apis of crm a oh well you want to talk to a different crm it's a completely different set of APIs. We personify the backend systems. We use, make people, make technology that understands people. We say, what do humans want to ask a CRM? If, it, if they could personify that CRM, what would they ask it? They would ask it like the AP system I told you, right? I, I need to submit an invoice to you. I need to, X, I need to do the X, Y, or Z. I need to get in certain information from you. So we personify the backend system such that we use natural language to actually connect the process to the backend systems. So the connector that everybody has to build, everybody has to write code, and we do too, to connect to a backend system. But when we do, we do it as a one-time asset. That same connector will work for hundreds of automations. And in, do, in implementing it in human-like language, or exposing human-like language, we make it so that no one above that connector has to understand the technology at all. They just have to understand the business domain. They do have to understand what an invoice is or what a payable is uh, or payment terms are, but that's not the technology problem. That's the business problem. Krista is not going to solve your need to learn the business. It's going to solve your need, solve the problem of your having to learn all your technology. So that's how you can get people, process, and technology properly attributed and that gives you process fluidity. It's no longer, and this is a super relevant uh, point for the business case aspect. Once it's content, like Excel, right? Excel is code, like Krista is code, but your process is content, just like your spreadsheet is content. Doesn't go through software development lifecycle. You don't stand up a dev environment if you're gonna add a new formula to your spreadsheet. In Krista, you want to change a process, you're not standing up dev and integration environments, you're not writing a test plan, it's not sitting in a backlog waiting for a developer to pick it up and estimate its shirt size. We are not in that, because that constrains the business's ability to operate at its velocity that's needed. We've got to make the process content so that it is changeable by non-technical people quickly and without it being a software testable event, if you will, uh, back from my dev DevOps days when I was so I actually I had I even had a business in software development and test, so it, I, I'm, I'm a geek in that area as well. We literally had to make sure changing Krista is not a testable event, which to quality engineering people is a very certain phrase, right? So that's how you accomplish it. You asked how, that's how, and of course 
Krista is already a real genuine embodiment of that strategy, and we will continue to press forward. I am not done until we have a Star Trek-like experience for people to author and consume automation in the enterprise. And I'm not, I, I am absolutely committed to that and we are well on our way. I see what you did there with automation in the enterprise and stuff. Yes. <laughs> okay, hey, so, I'll wear it. I'll wear it. Chief Geek. I should I should have a shirt. Very good. Um so I um I have a sense of this. Mm -hmm. I think what would help um uh, the the rest of our audience is just talk me through how you would capture a process. Mm -hmm. Uh because with our talk of um the star trek experience is it as simple as me telling a computer device what i'd like it to do what i'd like all the systems to do personifying the system saying i'd like you to send this to that person that personified object mm -hmm. i'd like and then i'd like it to calculate this and i'd like it to return that and i would, I would then want you to do this um so that might be an ambition where you want to go and you know i can understand how you could mm. make change on the fly very effectively you know you could see immediately where your flow was going wrong and, and correct it uh, with yeah. a few sentences spoken but are we there yet or are we at the point where actually i need to write this down or actually i need to put this into a box somewhere or who's doing the work to a capture it and b implement it yeah so so let's start with today and let's work on end of year early next year um, because what you described is, is a, is a, we are in, we are, we are capturing this in March of 2022, right? Um, you will see Krista doing the very description uh, or characterization that you just described, uh, by the end of this year. Um, our, what we, what we describe this as, is ad hoc conversations. So currently, Krista suffers the same challenge that every other automation product does in this regard. You have to be pre-aware of what you want to accomplish in order to accomplish it. You've got to write the program in order to run the program, right? Krista still suffers this. Now, we make it super easy, but that's still a very limiting thought if you think about it, because this conversation is a good example. It's going in places we didn't originally envision, right? And, and it may very well take interesting turns. So we didn't pre-wire this conversation, but all automation and all programming-based things require that. They're nece it's necessary. So today, what, a, what, a, what our authors do, and that's the role we describe, the persona of a person in Krista who's gonna, who is the business domain expert who defines the process, like the invoice submission we just described, is using conversational constructs, but is still saying, uh, not literally saying with voice, but it, in their mind saying, and on screen saying, all right, Krista, add, ask a person here. This is what I wanna ask. Here's the information I wanna ask them. Now I wanna ask a system, add, an, uh, add that to my conversation. And now I wanna make a decision and now I want to. So it's constructing a conversation like a chat. Fantastic, fast, all that stuff, but not the real end goal of, uh oh, I'm going all the way here. Jordy in the engineering room where they're troubleshooting a problem and there isn't already an automation defined for this problem. So Jordy and the computer are literally talking back and forth to each other. Okay, do this. Here's the outcome. Okay, try that. Here's that outcome. Okay, take that input and put it over here and do this. 
That is what we describe as ad hoc conversations. And we are absolutely um, in the process of build and deliver of that very notion. So that, and not just an author, but an end user inside a conversational uh, a front end like Krista's own or Slack or whatever is able to say, Krista, I need to create a new invoice. Great. Now I want to assign a supplier to that invoice. Who's the supplier? Now I want to submit that invoice for a payment or I want to, whatever it is. And there you go. That's exactly the description that you were just having where NLP is the means by which we capture and the conversation or the automation, those are the same thing in, in uh, Krista, is being constructed on the fly, ad hoc. At the end of that dialogue, Krista is then going to offer us, do you want to, are you going to do this again and again? Because if you are, I'm going to construct this as a repeatable process, and I'm going to ask you to describe it so that I can let other people run it. And then I'm going to make it so that I'm going to compare that with others that have already been built, and I'm going to actually figure out where there is variation, and I'm going to offer changes to that so that I can basically optimize and I can merge many conversations into one and optimize those paths and look for where I can use ML because people aren't automatically thinking using ML. We're, we're having to convince our customers where to, where, to, where to use it. Those things are all absolutely, in, and that's why I say we're not done until it's very much uh, that, that, that human-computer interaction that is human-oriented as opposed to technology-oriented. Do you think this might close the gap? I'm just interested because I, I was speaking to uh, an enterprise leader earlier today who's actually not gone very far on their automation journey at all. Mm -hmm. um, although they use a great deal of data science uh, and uh, they use data to make a lot of decisions, but they want to balance out all of the kind of business factors, keep it all very close to them and have some emotional element in it as well. And I think they worry that by automating, they'll kind of crush some of the soul out of the thing, mm. which is um, part of the guts, the gut feeling of, and I'm thinking in yeah, some yeah. media industry, for example, yeah. they know their customers, right? They know the yeah. reader, and, and they, they want to be able to keep a sense of that. Do you think that when you make this a much more human interaction, the design of the process becomes a much more human thing, do you think yes. that might close that gap for even Absolutely. potentially laggards in, in the space? Absolutely, David. And, 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 and there's, there's, a, there's a ton of insight in what that, that gentleman or lady is, is describing to you. We, 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 we fault the existing automation market greatly for, the, for the, essentially the purpose, if you, if, you, if you look at the slides that they produced, is let's take humans out. It's actually entirely inappropriate. Outcomes necessarily require elegant orchestration of people, system capabilities, and AI. You don't get outcomes if it's all a machine. In almost every any endeavor, you do require the insight or the accomplishments of people to be, okay, so let's take a specific example. Um, we, we call this the low, moderate, and high confidence in Krista's AI. What we do is we allow our author to say, I want you to calculate what you think, what Krista, I want you to calculate what you think is the correct amount or categorization or whatever. But I want you, only in the extreme cases, I want you to run autonomously. I want you to ask our expert 
give them your point of view and ask them to confirm it or to change it. And that's where we go. That's how we get trust. That's how we make that transition. That's also how we take the low hanging fruit, the 80, 20 rule, whatever you want to describe it. Because by the way, even when, even that business leader probably would, would agree with the statement, 80% of the time, my people's time is wasted in the rote mundane uh, obvious. It's the 20% that is interesting or nuanced where I want my people to be thinking. And in fact, real digital transformation is about 80% of your people's labor in thought time and 20% of them, their time in doing things. Today, they spend 80% of their time doing things and only 20% of their time thinking. How do you get that shift? You have to make the machine do more of the work. But how do you make that connection between this is outside that classic 80%? We have a very elegant model for this. That's why you've got to have all three as natural active participants. So Krista's going to decide if this customer should get the new product uh, promotion in 80% of the cases because the training is, it's that obvious. But in the 20%, we're going to reach out to that sales rep and say, do you think that this would be a good promotion for them or not? And in that, in that case, the human is involved, but we've taken 80% of those human context switch interruptions away. We've reduced the labor required. We've optimized the process. We've increased the velocity of business, done all the stuff that we're supposed to do in, in automation. And yet in that 20%, a human is saying, David should definitely see that one. Or no, he should not see this one. He should see this other one. And that becomes what happens. So we need humans to continue to drive, but we don't want them to do the mundane. It's no different than in my Tesla when I set autopilot, and I am driving and it tells me I'm now on a city street. I need you to take over. I'll take it back. Once I get back to an entry ramp on a highway, I need you to handle this part. I'll handle the stuff uh, as soon as we get to some other place, right? That's a natural, that's a natural transition from autonomous driving to human driving back to autonomous. And that's what, that's how this works, right? And by the way, we, I, especially, I would never have trusted a Tesla on a highway if I didn't have the ability to counter steer it. And if it hadn't been doing such a good job in highways, I would never even think to trust it on a city street. But since I've got so much trust built at how well it's been doing that, of course I'm gonna give it a shot on the city street. It takes time for humans to embrace change. It takes time. It has to be a natural evolutionary thing. It can't be you have no autonomy in cars to now here is a fully autonomous car with no steering wheel, hop in. Nobody does that. Right, But what we're doing instead is we're trickling in the level of autonomy. And that trickling in is entirely embraceable by people. And, and yet the tech, and it, it even works for the tech because the tech isn't capable of going zero to 100. It's capable of doing 10%. At times, my early, I've had four Teslas. My early Tesla experience, I was grabbing the wheel constantly. My latter Tesla experiences, I never, I, don't, I never have to be worried about whether that car is going to steer me off. So that is an important evolutionary aspect. Again, when technology is built to understand people, that is brilliant. That, that is, we are teaching the world that cars can drive themselves by putting them in cars that barely drive themselves, then drive a little more, then drive a little more, then drive a little more. Almost good sense, John. You spoke a little earlier about what's coming up right mm -hmm. so later this year 
we're going full Star Trek. <laughs> um, I'd love to say full Star Trek, but not full not full Star Trek, but ad hoc. Partial Star Trek. Definitely. Yes, okay. <laughs> no, no. I, 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 I'd love to. I'd love. Well, let's let's just say that that is a that is a mission we will never let go of, and we'll we'll continue to get closer to. So that's what I'm asking, really. If we look ahead to maybe 2025, mm -hmm. how close do you think you might be by then? And are you still in business? Are you acquired by someone who's given you the the real money that it might take to to close that gap, that those last few yards of uh, the yeah. journey to the yeah. Bridge? So so where are we? You know, I think I think intelligent automation continues to outpace even Moore's law. I think AI will continue to enhance and our, our NLP capabilities are growing so fast. I, it's stunning even myself. And I'm trying to have unreasonable expectations on our team, right? And, and, they're, and, they're, and so, so we have, I, I think we have tremendous growth uh, in, in, of course, Chris's capabilities. And I think plenty of, of vendors will embrace this as an approach. And, I, and I'm sure that they'll, they'll be... Um, I mean, we could say copycats, but you know, the the whole uh, um, uh, this is sincerest uh, form of flattery is the is copying it, whatever it was. Um, I, I think this this model makes sense. This approach makes sense. So I think that a whole lot of 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 transformation is happening in twenty five, and uh, and we as a business, uh, my strategy is just to be incredibly successful with customers, and uh, and and that has that has served me well. I've been in IPOs. I've been in acquisitions. I, I, I'm fine with either, but I don't actually plan for either. Um, I just build a very successful business whose customers are its source of, of, uh, of revenue, of funding, right? And that's what, that's what, that's what makes us successful. So, so that'll be my mission. Um, whether we end up a part of another company or we end up uh, IPOing and acquiring a lot of things would only be it would only be in order to do what I just said, which is to make incredibly successful customers who are actually our funding source not the other way around. And are you able to speak about any of your customers? Can you name any? Well, I, I have to get I have to get clearance before I before I do that. Um, how about a huge telco in uh, in in uh, Asia? My one of my favorite customers is a manufacturing company in uh, in India. One of my favorite U.S. based customers, an insurance company that's doing vendor onboarding with us. Uh, there's there's just a whole number that. That uh, cybersecurity in the in the security operations center, um, we are very transformational in cybersecurity, uh, incident response, phishing, um, vulnerability management. There are so many areas. Identity access management. There are so many areas. So a lot of the DNA in our in our company is actually cybersecurity software people. Um, so we know that space really well. We actually started there. So again, we're we're just launch year plus a few days, right? As we mentioned, so there's uh, so so we've we've obviously gone to our roots and we're expanding out from there. Um, so a, a bunch of folks, of course, uh, in a in a one on one engagement, we'd be happy to mention customer names. But in in public, I have to go get uh, I have I have to get a clearance. Oh, go to fine. our website. I should by the way go to go to the website because partners and customers are some you know the ones that have said that they'll be public. The last thing I'm going to do is make a mistake and name and not. But if but our website KristaSoft.com. Uh, is uh, is definitely a good resource for seeing some of those that are that are happy to put their name up and say, yeah, we're using Krista. Fantastic. Um, look, John, is there any final message you'd like to leave us with today? You know, there's a, 
it, I could go in any direction with you on that, David. Um, again, thrilled to be a part of one office with HFS. You guys are, you called it years ago on the automation platforms are way too services heavy. That, that's, a, that's a sign of immaturity. That number, those numbers are not going down, they're going up. Um, so if I had like a 1A, 1B on, on, on a final thought, it would be uh, I, I very much appreciate the work that you guys do and uh, appreciate that you guys recognized us. That, 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 that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge thing for us, it really is. Uh, on, the, on the other side, um, you know, the, the, the notion of human computer interaction being based on humans is what we all know has to happen. At some point, someone's got to make it happen. That's what we're doing. And, and someone's got to make, and someone's got to make it so that it, you can't unsee it. Uh, I heard that phrase a couple of months ago from a customer. We showed them Krista and they said, I can't unsee this. I will never look at what I'm doing the same way again. In, in, in other words, I've seen the future and now I feel like I'm going back to the past by going back to, my, to the way I used to do things. That is the kind of difference. If you're not getting that kind of reaction, why are you buying more software from people? If it's not any, if it's not measurably different than the stuff you're already doing, why are you expecting it to be all that different an outcome? And why aren't you expecting yourself and expecting your partner or in vendor to get you somewhere you literally have net yet have never seen, and now you know you can go a place you could you, you could not have gone. There's a certain amount of risk. We all know Moore's curve and the adoption and all that good stuff. There's a certain amount of risk in that, but I mean, not at this point. I mean, the, 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 you know, we, we can demonstrate this thing to you guys in days. We can show you in days what usually the customer thinks we need a month to go away and do a whole bunch of engineering to do. So that itself is a, is a testimony. And so anyway, where I, where, I was, where I was going with that is expect a heck of a lot more. We will not get there unless the buyers say, I need a future. I don't need more of the past. These screens don't look any different than IEF produced by TI back in the mid 80s, early 90s. And they really don't. These platforms are unbelievably based in the same core principles that all case tools that have all died, by the way, all the flash in the pan, right? All that generated code, someone ends up having to try to maintain it. It never works. We end up ditching the thing and rewriting it in another tool. And it just, it happens again and again and again. So we've got to find a much different thing than we are currently doing. Don't get incrementally better. You have plenty of incrementally better already. Do something radically better and try it because that will create your future. And, um, and, in, and, and if there's one other piece, pardon me for if I'm running too long, our, our world is, is generating technology faster than humans can consume it. So the question becomes, do we stop creating technology that fast or do we find a way to make technology go that fast and it not impact people the way that it currently does? That is the fundamental formula for why Krista was built. And I believe that makes this a necessity. We aren't better if you want it. This has to happen. Whether you end up doing this with Krista or something that ends up looking a lot like Krista, is, is up to you. But frankly, we're the only thing that looks like us right now. Um, I'd encourage you to take a look. John, thank you. That's a real call to arms. Um, I, I would encourage 
all of our listeners and viewers, please do go and check out the uh, Christasoft website. Just re remind us of that URL again. Yes, Krista, K-R-I-S-T-A-S-O-F-T dot com. And uh, explore it for yourselves. Um, we think they're great. That's why they're a hot vendor. Thank you so much for your time today. I've really enjoyed listening to you and speaking with you. And I hope our audience has too. Thank you. Thanks, David.